0: Alright, hello and welcome to Between the Liars with Ryan and Josh. Hello there. And we're joined with our in-house, not counsel, non-lawyer, TJ Roberts. <laughs> hello. <laughs> and we're again joined once again with Chris from the Alt Left Podcast.
1: Also someone you shouldn't take legal advice from. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, don't take legal advice from anyone. My advice? Perfect. (laughs) Crystal.
0: (laughs) Pay me under the table for it. Uh, (laughs) This is is your free consultation non-legal advice. All right, and today we're going to be doing part two. We, we, We just had way too much to talk about last time. Uh, with the quote-unquote common-sense gun control. And call me an alarmist, but uh, they're coming for your guns, guys. So <laughs> that's what we're here to talk about tonight. And we're going to focus tonight specifically on the red flag laws. And we're also going to talk about the House resolution that hasn't passed yet, but it's going to pass. Which will ban assault weapons. We'll talk about that bill a little bit. And then also since, I think it was passed between our first segment and this one. Uh, they passed the bipartisan common sense gun control measures um i don't remember if biden signed it at the time or not but uh guys thoughts to begin with where do you want to start
2: let's go with red flags first and like the common sense stuff
0: okay We talked about how common sense is a misnomer. (laughs) It means everything and nothing because it's just used by people to mean whatever they want it to. To some, like Chris mentioned last time, uh, this banning of assault weapons is going to be considered common sense. To some, having no guns is going to be common sense. And for others, being able to control your weapon, that's going to be common sense gun control. So, (laughs) This is common sense. (laughs) All right. TJ, you want to kick us off?
2: I mean, yeah, so... The bills that you saw essentially had issues of mental health funding for schools, um, which on its facial level, that doesn't tell like a terrible idea. I mean, Hey, who doesn't like making sure people get the proper treatment they need for mental health issues. But there are some problems that I do have with it. First point of all, CDC studies have repeatedly shown that mentally ill individuals are actually less likely to be violent than those without mental illnesses. This furthers a stigma that does not need to exist, should not exist and has actually provoked violence against those with mental illnesses. It is a wrong, it is a, it is wrong. But on top of that, there is also concerns that I have as well where when we're talking about the treatment of children in schools, we are talking about list building. This is something that will become a record that could possibly be on your shoulders for the rest of your life that can be used by a later congress as an excuse for confiscations which once again is not warranted because well if you suffer from a mental illness you're less likely to be violent Uh, anytime the government's collecting data on individuals it immediately leads to skepticism for me because i assume out of people out of washington dc that they have the worst intentions in mind when they pass legislation whether i support the legislation or not (laughs) so i always look from a really cynical perspective of what is the worst thing that could happen with this. Yeah. And the worst thing that could happen with the mental, with the federalization of mental health is one, only the powerful can decide what a mental health, mental health issue is. And two, it can be used throughout the rest of your life to decide what rights you are worthy of or not. So that's part one. And that's really a lot of the bill is a lot of that. There's school security stuff, offering block grants for States that want to enact uh, school security measures. Generally, okay, that's not a terrible idea, but once again, the question is, what are the school security measures? because you're trading, you're trading safety in one area for danger in another area. You have a school with only one entrance and one exit. I dread the day that school catches on fire, for example. Um, but on top of that as well, we do need we do have a problem and find out, this problem's particularly relevant in red states of reliance on federal dollars. The further reliant upon federal dollars you are, the further beholden to their policy preferences you will be, which that was never the intentions of the founding, foundations of this country. And frankly, I think it is not inherently a bad idea that California be California and Kentucky be Kentucky. Further, we fu- use federal funds to enact policy. The less Kentucky can be Kentucky, the less California can be California. And then third and finally, the thing that people are all curious about, the drum roll one the federal funding for red flag laws that is easily the most dangerous part of this bill and that makes it to where what good if any comes out of this bill is automatically dead in the water Hmm. because it's one it proves my point regarding it proves my point regarding the mental health stuff what it's truly going to be used for and second this is not just Second Amendment issues. This gets into uh, this gets into Fourth Amendment issues. This gets into Fifth Amendment. It gets into Sixth Amendment. It gets into Eighth Amendment. Arguably, depending on how a state does it, it could get into First Amendment issues as well. Someone is expressing a view that their ex deems to be extremist. Well, they report this, and all of a sudden people are kicking in your door, taking your firearms from you. Um, we've seen it happen already where New York's new thing in order to get – sealed carry permit is you have to present your social media history yep. to a commissar i mean we we are seeing it firsthand how these rules can wind up with with immense first amendment concerns along with ever. i mean you could argue that the, that red flag laws violate more than half of the bill of rights
0: so let me let me stop you there for one second tj and let's just back up so for people who aren't familiar can you explain what a red flag law is and what it would do
2: Sure. Okay. So a red flag law, um, and I'm going to have to differentiate it because all 50 states have extreme risk protection orders. What these are is where you are accused of being a danger to yourself, being a danger to someone else. You have exhibited threats. The way an extreme risk protection order works before any adverse action is taken against you, you have a right to counsel, you have a right to a hearing. At that point, the judge weighs it all. You have the right to cross-examine the accuser or a representative of the accuser. And upon that determination, if they determine you are in fact a danger, they can confiscate your firearms. Red flag laws flip it on its head where you someone accuses you of being a risk to yourself, a risk to others. They go and... They uh, take your firearms first, and then the burden is not on them to prove that you're a danger to yourself or to others. The burden is on you to prove you are not a danger to yourself or others, which frankly is impossible to prove. It, it, and this is proven deadly in several states where you have a man in Maryland who was shot dead because he didn't understand what was going on. We've had death by red flag in Indiana. Uh, the most notable case of it as well came out of a, a second maryland incident by a man by the name of duncan lemp was red flagged he was accused of having unlawful weapons but also they utilized their, their red flag statute to come in and it ended in him being shot while in his bed next to his pregnant fiance ah.
3: does the red well, thing f- oh go ahead josh well, i think that i mean i think that's something like important to note about these law, like laws, in particular, how they frame the engagement law enforcement are, are going to have with the individuals involved with this case, because they're sent there basically under the assumption, this person is armed, and we're concerned that they may be dangerous. That is going to make the cops more skittish. That is going to make them more fearful. That is going to make them lean more towards escalation and make them more afraid, because this isn't a happy call. No one wants the police showing up to their door going knock knock get over your weapons. In fact, there's a significant portion of this country that jokes about shooting the police officers if they do that. And now we're saying, hey, police officers, go do that. That's not a call someone wants to make. Yep. Like that that puts the you know people in a lot of uncomfortable situations and it put, already puts into a where we are we all know, like police officers are already be pretty jumpy here in America. And you put them into a position where they already know they need to be on edge in a heightened dangerous situation, and it just increases the probability for tragic things to happen in a system where they're already shockingly common and likely to happen. Um, and, and and so like when we think about like how to control, you know, situations and focus on de-escalation, not many times is the answer ever, ever knock knock, here's the police pointing guns at you. Like that rarely fixes a problem. If someone's if someone's heated, someone's lit, someone's about to go do something dangerous, I don't think knock knock here to the police is going to be the like solution nine times out of ten. There might be the occasional time that's the problem, you know, where someone's already, you know loaded up and they're walking out the door to go commit a crime. But if someone's just sitting at home relaxing and they're not actively in the engagement of a crime, Maybe the government shouldn't point guns at them because they're just a civilian not hurting anyone at that point of time. You know, there's yeah. just a lot of different ways to respond to this.
1: Something I wanted to pipe in with, real quick, just before we get too far away, though, because, and I want, I want to take him a kind of reverse. Because, first of all, T.J., I completely agree with you um, about. Um, uh, about red flag right it is it is it is a ridiculous idea it is a guilty until proven innocent uh, mentality it is authoritarian um it is invasive and it is it is it is absolutely something out of a totalitarian North Korea nightmare right it's not what we want um but I, I want to talk about some of the motivations because like you said a couple things that that I want to talk about because like first of all you said like um like you know kids getting mental health care in schools and getting put on lists and it's like we saw what happened when you take the federal government out of mental health care. You know, second worst president in history, Ronald Reagan, is the one who did that. Um, Andrew Jackson's the first. I was not going to say Trump. Um, but, um, that's why we have a homeless crisis in this country It's because we completely took away all federal assistance Uh, for mental health. We we, we tanked it. We stripped it. And if there's something that we should really be putting our tax dollars into, and again, if you want to take this even to a private property stance, keeping people off your lawn and syringes away from your children, it would be funding drug care, funding mental health, funding medication for people who need it. Um, You know, the the worst thing you can do to the schizophrenic guy who's a mile away from you is to take away his medication and, and his roof. That's how it ends up in your backyard. Um, and the other thing, I guess, I, the idea that federal assistance is bad for states, I, I, I got to ask why, and, and if you have any precedent for that, because federal assistance is how this country is run. Like, yeah, And you are giving you're correct guess. Like, the government was originally set up to be independent states coalesced under a unifying culture. But, I mean, we did away with that. We had Shays Rebellion, and George Washington himself was like, well, that was a terrible idea. We need a strong federal government and a taxation system. Um, you know, and that's how we got the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. So uh, we can disagree, but I'm just curious, like, I guess the idea that – because states are already dependent on it, right? We, you know, southern states are completely dependent on federal money, and they're the ones who refuse the most of it. The states that are the most dependent on it are the ones who don't want it. Uh, whereas you get like California, New York, Connecticut are the ones paying it all. Texas, too, actually. But Texas pays a lot of tax money they don't take back in. They're the exception. But I'm curious, like, why? I agree with you about the red flag logs, and I agree with you about like the idea that a, a federal government disarming the people by force is, 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 a, is a dystopian nightmare, hands down. But the idea that it's because of federal tax dollars going to state, I'm just not following that. What, what's up with that?
2: Sure. Okay. So I'm going to start off with the mental health funding part. You okay. know, I, I, on, on principle, I agree with you. We should be taking actions to ensure that we have a generally healthy society. That, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. The problem, again, I just look into what are the motivations of it, right? I mean, something that provides funding to ensure that, like, there is basic mental health training. I'm not diametrically opposed to that, but I do think that there should be protections for it. Like statements like the federal government shall not have access to this list unless it's – there's a warrant signed or a subpoena in pursuance of a criminal trial or something like okay. that. You know, like I can get behind I, that, just, yeah. I just have very deeply rooted concerns. It's the same reason why I have concerns about background checks. You create a system where you have a, – a, if you have a paper trail, which let's face it, in the modern era, everything has a paper trail. It automatically creates the risk of abuse. So and the reason why I responded to that one first is because that's the easiest one where I think we can come together the the most the most quickly.
1: Yeah, I may have read you on that one.
2: No, it's not a huge deal. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure cuz like I feel like that's one of those things where like a lot of people can really come together to to a consensus on that. The second one on federal reliance we can see this happen. Um, We can see it happen in real time. We can see it happen in our criminal justice system. We can see it happen in our transportation system. Um, In fact, there have been, we've also seen it happen in our, in our healthcare system too. Um, The first one that we have was in our transportation system, um, the drinking age. Hello. This uh, message is brought to you by Eagle Rare and the Buffalo Trace distillery. Um, But um, in all seriousness, um, South Dakota was the last state, they were the last holdout on raising the drinking age from 18 to 21. Eventually, the federal government stated states must raise their drinking age to 21, or else we're going to take away your funding from the Department of Transportation toward your your highways. right? And in principle, that's not a terrible idea. This actually got litigated all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ultimately upheld that. And but there were limit, there were narrowing factors on it. I don't have the factors in front of me right now, but I can pull them up right now, actually. Um, and the case, if anyone wants to look into this, is South Dakota versus Dole, um, and it created a a test um, that essentially um, argues the following: a, a, the federal government can threaten to withhold federal funding if the following factors are met. One, the policy meets the general welfare. This is defined broadly. Essentially, if Congress passes it, it passes the general welfare test. It's a meaningless word at this point. That is such an easy burden to meet. The second one, there's a clear statement that all must be covered or they won't get anybody. So basically you need a clear, articulable statement. What is the standard? In this case, it's as simple as your highway funds are connected to the drinking age being 21, right? So that was met. The third, a relation to the federal interest is met as it funds the general welfare goal of providing coverage. So the federal interest is transportation and interstate commerce. So, okay, that's met there as well. And then the fourth is that there's no other independent constitutional bar. So here's an example. If, South Dakota if the federal government said you guys are going to get our road funding but you have to ban the Islamic religion obviously that's going to be struck down because there's another independent constitutional bar right um so that that was the standard and because of that this was upheld now that was the four-part test in South Dakota versus Dole there was dicta however that indicated that one thing that was dispositive to the court was that the funding, um the funding that was deprived only constituted 5% of South Dakota's highway funds and 0.19% of South Dakota's entire state budget. So in other words, okay, the South Dakota could just as easily keep their drinking age at 18 easily. And they could just, relegate funds from elsewhere to cover up that 0.19% that they're missing out on now, right? So, but then in our healthcare system, we see this in the Obamacare decision in Sibelius versus NFIB. Um, In this, they upheld the Affordable Care Act overwhelmingly, but there was a provision that was struck down and it was a provision that stated that states that fail to implement the entirety of the Affordable Care Act would lose all Medicaid funding. So that's a different thing. It's not a comparatively modest part of the budget because Medicaid, on average, makes up for 20% of an entire state budget. Compare that to the 0.19% of an entire state budget in South Dakota versus Dole. John Roberts described this provision as a, quote, gun to the head. So that's the thing about federal reliance. Depending upon what happens, you create a gun to the head. And that's the thing that concerns me is at this point, every single additional dollar you're creating a greater reliance, which your, your essential argument is, well, what's the problem with that? Right? Well, that's where you get into the fact that the 10th amendment still does exist, right? We do have a provision of the United States constitution that essentially states that states are supposed to have a plenary policing power where they establish their own laws. And essentially the federal government is there to be a neutral arbitrator and make sure that commerce is flowing freely between the states
1: but by that logic so should their funding be like that's that's the the cake and eat it too thing here so you're going to say well the states need to be independent and the federal government should simply be nothing more than an arbitrator okay but then the federal government shouldn't be paying your bills like
3: don't tip tj with a good time
1: (laughs) (laughs) and and the other one is the (laughs) the head idea i don't think you're wrong right first of all i don't think you're wrong i would actually agree with you uh, uh, holding 20% of a state's budget as a condition from them is is beyond a stick. It really is a gun to the head. But that's how we got Brown versus Board of Education enforced. Was by literal guns to head. We sent the national f-ing guard into the south <laughs> and at gunpoint enforced equality. Like we already accept in this country that the federal government does have the authority in systems of civil rights issues to to threaten. I mean you now obviously the issues that we, too much, we give the government the only source of violence, right? But that's a whole different topic. But that um, we, we allow the National Guard to enforce things like that when states will not comply. And again, this was not even that. It wasn't like Obama sent the National Guard down there and said, take the Obamacare. Or we're going to shoot you. Like No. It was, it was like, okay, well, then you don't get – if you're not going to play by the federal rules, you don't get the federal money. And same thing. You don't go into work and your boss is like, hey, uh, go do that thing. And you're like, nah, I'm not going to. And he's like, all right, well, then I'm not going to pay you. Hey, how dare you? Like it's if you're going to if you want federal money, you play federal rules. If you don't, then you don't. That's fine. But then the state needs to find its own Medicare money. If they want to oh. they want to if they want to play God with what health care they're going to give to their citizenry, then they get to play God with finding the money.
2: Oh, and, you know, and here's the thing. In principle, I don't fundamentally disagree with you on that. But the fact is, is that. If we're talking about Brown versus Board, that's because what the Board of Education of Topeka was doing was explicitly in violation of a provision of the United States Constitution. In the case, of, in the case that we're describing here, there's an argument to be made that the federal government is, is violating an explicit provision of the United States Constitution, namely the Tenth Amendment. And once again, this is why I'm so concerned with federal funds leaking into states, Because it creates this incentive structure and that argument that you're making with every dollar a state government receives from the federal government, the more credibility your argument gets at that point and the more credibility it particularly gets to the – I mean that it gets to the state governments that are dependent like my home state of Kentucky. I have been able to kill red flag laws in Kentucky every year that they have been introduced, but Damon Thayer – uh Dan thayer the senate majority leader of kentucky is the biggest federal welfare whore i have ever met if there's federal dollars he will use it and if there's federal dollars for red flag laws he will use it and frankly i think this provision actually violates one of the factors of south dakota versus dole which is the independent constitutional provision so i don't even think we have to go into whether it's unconstitutionally coercive or not but uh, yeah th- that's the entire problem with it when you have a state government that is as dependent upon federal dollars as Kentucky is, you wind up with it. You wind up with states essentially becoming the strong arm of the federal uh, federal government's unconstitutional mandates. And in all likelihood, like it's one of those things where it's like, one way or another, I get what you're saying in this regard. I, we just, I think we just have a different viewpoint on the role of the federal government.
0: I think there's yeah, also, fair. I think there's also an interesting nuance that the last bill that Biden just signed. Um, regarding gun control that that brings to the table. And that is that as I understood the bill, it is not the coercive portion. It is we have 18 billion, 10 billion, however much it was a, a bunch of money that we are then offering to states if they want to use it for red flag laws. And I think that that's an interesting way of getting around it, because I think that that doesn't violate some of TJ's concerns technically, because they're not saying, you know, you must do this. Or we're going to remove this other funding. Instead, they say we have this funding that we're going to give to you so long as you use it for this specific provision. Now, what I would say my problem with is I don't think that I should be taxed at the federal level to then have them use my tax dollars in that way. Because I I think that that brings up the constitutional violation of you are now stripping people of their rights through the legislation or the action that the states use when they activate these red flag laws because there is no due process. Like we mentioned earlier, it is just you are guilty until proven innocent and the burden of proof is not on them proving that you're a danger. It is I must be in a fight for my life and even if they can say, oh, Ryan goes to therapy – then that could be he's a danger. You know what I mean? So, like, it, it really depends on how it's weaponized. But I think that there's almost this new danger that's introduced to the table through the specifics of this bill that was just signed into law because it's not the coercive portion. So, I don't know that it would get struck down in the same way that the other one did. Or did it well, didn't.
1: It- and you make a really good point about having to the burden of proof now being on the citizen which is again a 180 from how it's supposed to be the burden of proof has to be on the state and to take away a civil right and then leave it up to the individual to prove that no risk is not only is that unethical and is that just total anathema to our entire system of laws but also that undue burden has a class structureness to it right because yeah. a wealthy individual can hire a law firm yep. And go a good one. do the due diligence and go through with it, whereas... Someone living paycheck to paycheck can't afford a lawyer yeah. to simply get their constitutional rights back.
0: But even a, even a good, uh, 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 not a good, even a, a wealthy person, they can die the death of a thousand paper cuts where people just bring these accusations. And I was like, oh, you know what? I just don't like the fact it, it happens a lot. There, there's a disgruntled neighborhood who they claim they don't feel safe, but really they just don't like that the person has a weapon. The person could be completely competent, legally possess the firearms, all the checks in the boxes. But this neighbor or whoever it is who complains... Files this re- effectively restraining order because they dislike that there is a weapon. Period. So then you now have to expend legal fees. So it really, even the class structure argument: yes, they're in a better situation, but they can bleed you dry regardless of how much money you have because they'll just keep filing these suits, and you still have to defend yourself, even if the judge finally gets to the point, it's like, all right, you can't keep doing this.
3: What also seems I mean- to be like at the heart of the problem is that. At least from everything I've observed from our conversation so far, the federal courts have not taken a strong stance for or necessarily against these red flag laws. Because if the courts were in grants more so that the structure and the nature of these laws were the problem itself rather than the enactment or the enforcement of these laws, then the courts would take care of them. But at least so far, from what I understand, the either be the circuit courts or, or the Supreme Court, have been an absent voice on this issue.
2: Oh, all federal courts have been silent on red flag laws, and the reason why is because there just hasn't been a challenge. This is a relatively novel concept as of right now, and frankly, most individuals who are the victims of red flag laws either, one, aren't sympathetic plaintiffs, and as a result, law firms are scared to take the case. Two, they can't afford to do it, or they don't know their rights, or three, they're dead from these red flag laws.
3: Hey, listen, kids, it's America. They can't sue if they're dead. Speed up.
2: You can if you have a you if you have your estate taken care of, and for wills and for wills, call the law firm of
0: I just want to take a second to interject to this comment because I think this is hilarious. As a barber, this is from Polar Nights. As a barber, I love this podcast. It is every stage of beard growth <laughs> <laughs> and hair well, and hair, not related, but I love that comment. So I have to spotlight. <laughs> that's
2: great. I feel so. Pretty much, we're all universally against red flags, huh? I, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think we're all going to agree on that one.
0: So <laughs> let's let's see if we if we are in similar positions uh, with the House bill. Then it is uh, eighteen uh, House Resolution eighteen oh eight, which in effect is going to ban all of what they call assault weapons. So that's all your ARs, your AKs, anything AR or AK style, uh, and basically they set these. These arbitrary restrictions. So they say if it is a semi automatic rifle, shotgun, or handgun, and it possesses any of these characteristics more than one, so it has a removable uh, clip or it, or excuse me, magazine or <laughs> terminology. So if it has removable magazine, if it, if it has, if it's a non-removable magazine, but it can hold more than 10 rounds, if it has a front stock or like a, a front grip, if your stock can collapse or fold, and like they just have this list of things, basically they're trying to eliminate all of them. And then what they claim is that everything currently in circulation can be grandfathered in. And by the, the language of the bill, which check out this side right here, to Josh, above Josh's head, there'll be a link to the bill me segment where I have all of those linked and we read through it. If you're interested in the text of the bill. Yeah, right there. <laughs> Everybody points like the, I can't do that backwards. <laughs> uh, and if, I
3: thinking with portals.
0: <laughs> if you're listening to the audio only version, then we'll link them in the description below. But basically they say, We don't want these to be able to be purchased, transferred, imported, etc. And then they say, well, grandfather them. But in the language of the hearing, so the entire debate, it's 11 hours long. And I also linked that there is a portion where one of the Democratic senators uh, basically says because he's there's, there's a Republican who says, I will yield my time to anyone who can tell me like the purpose of this bill and like how this is not going to eliminate common use weapons because there was a recent ish Supreme Court decision that says any weapon that is considered common use, so your nine millimeters, etc., and in this case, ARs and AKs are common use, they cannot be restricted or banned. And the Democratic senator says that's the point, is to restrict and remove them from circulation. So when he says that, then either through amendments or future legislation, I would be highly skeptical of the fact that you can even, pos- you know, it might be a New York situation, you can possess them, but you can't use them. So that bill, I highly doubt it's going to pass the Senate. But just God be aware no. that these that these types of legislation are being proposed by advocates of the severe gun legislation. It's very, very interesting to me. I say arbitrary because if you look at the studies, mass shootings and school shootings are committed more by handguns than by ARs or AKs, and the AKs and the ARs, might look a lot scarier, but from a concealment standpoint, and from just the amount of—I mean—you you can get a bunch of rounds in both of them, depending on the magazines that well, you have. But like, they're—they're they're so much more common in the shootings, and the justification from the advocates and the backers of the bill say we want to reduce mass shootings, but then they go after the guns that aren't as prevalent in that. So it's—it's it's an interesting disconnect. That I'm well, real quick, it's not that.
1: just pistols it's revolvers like that's the funniest thing is yeah. like everyone's like oh we got to get rid of the ar-15 it's like why because the gun most responsible for gun violence for suicide for violent crime and for um uh, even accidental discharge and death all of them are revolvers. Got, uh, liquor stores are knocked over by revolvers children are shot by revolvers, spouses are shot by revolvers, people kill themselves with revolvers, revolvers are cheap and they are easy to use and they are the highest sold gun in the country for that reason, I have a revolver you know why? because it's fucking awesome but, I'm <laughs> America sorry, good I'm sorry, spinning spinning that cylinder when you load it in it's beautiful, anyway, the point is my, my love for my seven aside um Revolvers are, are – if you're going to ban a gun, if you're going to fight against a gun that is causing the most crime or the most death in this country, then you would go after revolvers. You'd also go after heart disease. But we don't want to do that. And it's and it's funny, the selective outrage. Like, okay, for instance, ba- bear with me one second. I promise – No, yeah, go ahead. I promise I'm going to make you – make it worth this while here. Hold on. <laughs> I just I just don't have the wrong numbers here.
0: No, yeah, that's
1: – All right, here we go. We like to be factual. What, 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 if, what if I told you that there was a product on the market mass-consumed – Um, It did require licensing, and it did require an age limit, but it was going to kill 43,000 people a year. Here's a gun. Here's something. Here's anything, a microwave oven, whatever. Here's a product, and it is going to kill 43,000 Americans a year, and that is with training, licensing, and restriction on it. It will kill 43,000 people. People would say, holy shit, no. I don't know know what what, what that radioactive rock is, but get it away from us. That's a car.
0: Yep. I thought that's where you're going with that.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is we already say like, no, no, no. You can have a thing that's going to kill everyone, but it needs licensing and it needs training and it needs these things. If we're going to talk about common sense gun reform, why is that never on the table? Why is it always take it away, burn it, get rid of it, stop this? Why, why are we always going after the end user? Why is the knee jerk reaction to eliminate civil rights? That's the problem I have with the gun debate. It is, n- uh, it is not that there is not a gun problem in the U.S. There is a gun problem in the U.S. We have a death problem. We have a shooting problem. We have a massive gun issue in the United States. But that problem is because Americans are trash. Because <laughs> Canada does not have this gun violence issues, but you can get guns easier and less restricted firearms in Canada. Mexico, guns and ammunition are completely illegal. You're going to tell me that's a place free of gun violence? It's worse <laughs> than us. So,
0: Although with Trudeau's legislation, I don't know that it's easier
1: anymore. <laughs> well, I don't know. Tr- Tr- Trudeau's his own monster, but like the idea that like if you just stop I mean, again, how did that work for the war on drugs? You're, so you, all you want to do is create a a, a nanny state with a great black market. Yeah. That well, is that is all you're going to create there. You're gonna you're gonna turn this into a cartel state.
0: How many, how many episodes have we had over problems with the judicial system, flaws that are in there? Like, and every person who's been on the show to some degree agrees that there is something wrong with it. We might disagree on what that is, but we no, the agree ridiculous. that it's a problem, even, but even on the criminal circuit. So why would we want to give more judicial discretion and prosecutorial discretion over something like this? Particularly because we talked about this last time. Minority communities are more affected by background checks. They're also, we've talked about how they're more affected by the judicial system. Again, why would we give another avenue for that type yeah. of prosecution? Like, if we're and just trying to be logically to consistent. It. Like it, just, it just seems, I don't know. They, there is never a logical train between here's the problem that we see and here's the proposed action that Congress has when it comes to legislation. Now, of course, I think we got into this a little bit last time. On a fundamental level, I would say burn up that idea of licensing because I don't like the idea of a constitutional right being granted to me through the government itself, right? Because, I, I again, I think that the government has a vested interest in disarming its citizens. I don't think it will, but I think that it has a vested interest in trying to do so, and it's a lot oh, easier yeah, to govern people, yeah. right? Regardless of the type of government, like, they have a vested interest in having a disarmed society because you can't push back. And so I think that I... I just, on a fundamental level, I don't want my government being the one that you say, ah, yes, you get get that licensing. No, again, I mentioned last time, as a responsible gun owner, I think that if you're going to conceal carry or carry in any capacity, it is not only in your best interest, but it is the smart decision to take the intensive training because plinking at the range, doesn't matter how accurate you are, it's not going to match the adrenaline of a real-life situation when you need to defend yourself. So if you really want to be the most effective, you should be doing that anyway. But again, I draw the line at government-mandated. Well,
2: the training you get with when you get your concealed carry license is a joke as it is. My concealed carry license instructor, when I got it when I was twenty one, pointed a loaded firearm at me. I mean
3: Oh my goodness. I mean, this should, is that's, one, should, that's a range ban right there. That's just a get uh, out. Well, Wow! It, it is come a range on. ban and yeah, on top of that, like,
2: it 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 goes on. to show that it goes to show the one type of gun control that I support. I support disarming government agents and and individuals that are in charge of their regulatory schemes. I'm for disarming the Department of Education. I'm for disarming ICE. I'm for disarming all these groups because frankly, I don't trust kid killer david chipman with a gun i don't kill dick De- i don't trust derek chauvin with a gun for that matter the fact is i trust the people with a gun yeah next time oh okay yeah next time go ahead call a crackhead i'd be more than happy to call a crackhead to get some dude out of my
3: house before i'd call before i call derek chauvin before you call the state house. and open yourself <laughs> up to liability yeah <laughs> to be honest i have met some very reliable crackheads who would go out and clear a house for if you just hand them like a 50 dollar bill and i think that's less taxes than i pay
2: here I am getting the lefty on the the side of guns that's just
3: mutual aid that is they need (laughs) money for their habits and I need someone to clear my health that is mutual aid through and through it's just respect for the grind
1: Seriously, I think this is I think having see it's the center that is the problem because the left and the right this is the only thing the left and the right agree on right is it two plus two equals four and guns are good that's it it's the only thing we're going to agree on um, Probably, but because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti-government. I'm anti-this government. Um, I think some government can be trusted, but I think it depends. <laughs> it depends on the government. Yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm communist, so I think a government is fine as long as it's altruistic. But that doesn't exist, so let's just smash the government. Um, but for me, it's a math <laughs> equation. Um, but I think the idea that if you take away the right of people to arm, um, then you have created a state monopoly on violence. And destroy. That's just all it is. You have decided that there will still be gun violence. It will just only be state agents pressing it upon the people. Yep. That is it. You have you, you have decided that gun violence will only flow in one direction, and that is from the police to the people. Yep. And I more mean, again, violence
3: what, in general is like that. With state capitalism yeah. well that's
1: like, this this idea that well the founding fathers never would have wanted us to have an ar-50 the founding fathers would have wanted us to have a <laughs> fucking howitzer right and, and i don't i'm not pro founding fathers founding fathers were, were raping slave owning bastards all of them every single one of them but if we're going to talk about intention of constitutional writers That was for the people to have the apex of military technology to protect themselves from state tyranny. That was the purpose. They didn't even want it. That that clause that Democrats love to put out says because of a well-regulated militia. Yes, because they didn't want a standing army. So get rid of the army. And then do your militias if you want. But you want to go ahead and crack down on militia people. So then shut the fuck up because that's not what you want. You don't actually want state-run militias. It's a straw man argument. So what it really is is the founding fathers did not want an oppressive, tyrannical government having a monopoly on violence. What they said was, no, there should be individuals who can come together when shit is needed. Like even Washington wrote that he had to put down Shay's rebellion, but he didn't disagree with it. You know? And... It's the same thing. If, if, the point is to keep, you know, people are like, well, how are you going to defend against an attacky, Apache attack helicopter? An Apache attack helicopter is never coming for me. But the cops are. If the police decide, if the ATF decides that I'm a problem and need to be disarmed for some reason, I want communities of color and poor communities to be armed because they're the ones who face the brunt of police violence. You know, and the thing is, it's not about getting cops shot or anything like that. That's going to be the knee jerk reaction from some listeners. They're going to say, oh, you just <laughs> f- cops died. No. <laughs> We've already seen from the Uvali shooting that when the people they're going after are armed, cops suddenly get real f- scared and don't do anything. And that's the point it is the threat of violence. And armed people are a free people
0: wasn't it jefferson who said something like uh you need to keep your government in check by wetting a few guillotines every once in a while like re- revolution
1: uh, he said uh, he said the tree of liberty is watered by uh, it needs to be It's like how is that? the tree of liberty must be periodically like watered with the blood of tyrants
0: that's what it was that's much closer a I was blood like, of patriots
1: <laughs> and tyrants that's what it was patriots and tyrants yeah um but th- yeah and that's the point is to get rid the, of the tyrants or at least make them afraid yes
0: well, and the, yeah, the whole um, argument about, would, you, you know, Apache attack helicopter, you know, the, the Vietnam War, like, we, we lost. I, I don't know what people tell you, but we, we did not win that war, and that was a bunch of guerrilla warfare going on. Like, that, that's – U.S. government is not always going to win just because they have the superior firepower.
2: And let's – It does help. It does help, yeah. <laughs> of course. And let, let's put away the delusion – that well, the well regulated words automatically means that there must be all these these laws and prohibitions and restrictions. Well regulated in 1791 did not mean restricted, it did not mean maintained by the government. It meant well functioning. That's what it meant. And Alexander Hamilton explained as much. That you know, was fundamental in the establishment of the Constitution. Now he turned on it. He turned his face on. Was, proved himself to be a big fat liar after the Constitution was adopted and betrayed <laughs> just about everything he said in the Federalist Papers. But nonetheless, the original public understanding, when we talked about well-regulated, was well-functioning. And when we were talking about militia, they were talking about all able-bodied males. Now in this case, I think we could take. Equal protection analysis is well able bodied women too. you know, I mean, so I'm I'm for I'm for equality here. I think that women should be part of the militia too, to protect the protect the homeland from tyranny, domestic and abroad. But on the hand of it all, uh, just this idea that this and this has been settled since two thousand eight when Heller was initially decided. The prefatory clause of the Constitution is just, I you know the Second Amendment is just that, a prefatory clause. It holds no force of law whatsoever. If you translate it to a full sense, well regulated militias necessary to the preservation of a free state. There's no requirement there, right? The only thing with a requirement is the next clause. shall not be infringed. It's the same way that the preamble of the Constitution ultimately really has no, no true force of law, and that was upheld in McDonald in 2010, and it was just upheld in, it was a, it was upheld in Catano in 2016, and it was just upheld in Bruin um, not even a month ago. Uh, to go back. To, I, I lied. It was a month and three days ago,
0: but actually the last time that we did this episode uh, or topic uh, to go back to Chris's point, I don't know of anyone who's in favor of saying, well, that really means that it should be a militia. It has nothing to do, you know, with with you wanting whatever you want. I've never met someone who said that and then also said, yeah, let's back the Proud Boys. You know, like I just I just I don't see that happening. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: or the Oath Keepers, which actually are militia. or the there. Oath Keepers. <laughs> yep. Proud Proud Boys are a bunch of cowardly fascists in brown shirts, but the the Oath Keepers are an actual militia. Hmm.
0: What would you say is the distinguishing factor between those two, then one being a militia and
1: one not? Um, Because the Oath Keepers are actually... Again, I'm not a fan of the Oath Keepers, and they're they're garbage people, but um, (laughs) I will say they are organized uh, nationally. They actually, like, have role. They do trainings. They Hmm. have range days. And yes, you will occasionally find... You know, the Proud Boys out in the park hugging each other and reading my Kampf for a little bit. But you don't find them doing the kind of organizing and militia work that the Oath Keepers do, which the Oath Keepers, their goal is to be a militia.
3: Mm. I think the, the Proud January Boys Sixth... are like, we
1: don't like women and Jews. You know, and it's a little one. Yeah. Is, you know, one is just a small hate group and one is an actual organized militia. See, January 6th gives us a really good sudden... right line. Sorry.
3: Um, the, the Proud Boys were partying around inside of the Capitol with all the other rioters. The Oath Keepers were setting up outside of Washington D.C. getting an- ammo dumps and, and, and uh, rifles ready. And you can like look this up because they got this has been part of all those guys that were arrested for insurrection. And the a leader of the Oath, Bo- Oath Keepers was charged for this because they were stockpiling weapons and ammunition outside of D.C because they didn't want to get searched on the way into D.C. So if things ever got successful at the Capitol, they were ready in there, ready to rush in and bring in supplies and ammo to the Capitol uh, to fortify the building, if should they need to. Well, and That's the videos the of them
1: rushing in, they, they literally have a skirmish line moving yeah. in, organized and ready, whereas the Proud Boys yeah. are all jerking off on Nancy Pelosi's you know pedestal. Yeah. Like the Earth Keepers Absolutely.
3: are... Are, there's a reason the Oath, the Oath Keepers are the one that got charged with sedition and not the Proud Boys. The Oath Keepers mean it.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're serious. There's also there's also no video of the founder of the Oath Keepers putting something up his rear end. That
3: to own the <laughs> lips.
1: <laughs> there there I is mean, a sure, video of Gavin Newsom doing that. I mean, there's lots of people doing that. I don't know. that has got to do with militia. <laughs> hey, look, your personal example is your that. own. I'm not coming down on you for it, but I mean. <laughs> I don't know what that's got uh, to do with it. I'm just saying,
2: anything. man, like if if you're a member of if you're a member of a militia whose leader shoved something up his ass on an internet live stream, you're not a member of a militia. You're a member of a uh, homoerotic social club.
1: Man, I've got some bad historical news for you about Lincoln.
2: <laughs> oh, you can take a,
1: you can take a shit <laughs> on Lincoln all you
2: want, man. I don't care. The only president to suspend habeas corpus. Yeah, that's my hero right there.
1: Oh, he's not the only one. FDR did it too.
2: No, Congress did it. True. FDR. Did.
1: FDR just cheered it on. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congress actually passed that. Anyway, we're way off topic. So, that to, is just, <laughs> is, yes. The so, keepers are organized. To
0: go back yeah. then to the legislation that will presumably pass the House and let's say get killed in the Senate. What if it were to go through? What do we just, – just thought experiment with me here for a couple of minutes what do we think would happen as far as the constitutional ruling on that given the recent Supreme Court decisions especially Bruin
3: the Supreme Court's been better about guns and gun rights than other rights and so there's a possibility of hope there but in terms of evaluating of overall of constitutional rights and protections and perceived protections that were once considered to be status quo and settled law that the Supreme Court is willing to upend now who knows I mean, maybe it's a surprise 6-3 because federal overreach and the FBI said, pretty please. I mean, to say just because the Supreme Court have issued a few rulings that are in favor with some of the more populist policies the Republican Party puts forward does not mean they weren't still handpicked by the same very small group of elite members of society who picked them for a very specific agenda. And so, and as Ryan has pointed out, when the state has a vested interest in disarming the public, there's a really good chance that some of these people come out with a really surprised vote, especially on a thing like a red flag law, where they'll take a more like common defense about like bans, and they'll probably strike down like the the like the ban that won't survive. Um, there's been too many, you know. I don't see an, an overturning of, of uh, Heller this recently. Although, again, all things are possible in this court. What does precedent mean to these people?
1: Well, yes, precedent means something. Um, and also, neither do your civil rights, because if they serve what's you know a public good. Because again, and, and I think TJ knows what I'm talking about, and he's going to agree with me on this one. The Supreme Court said DUI checkpoints are okay, even though they violate our constitutional rights. DUI checkpoints are a perfect example, right? Do they serve a public good? Have they probably saved lives? Guaranteed. There's no way DUI checkpoints haven't saved lives. That's great. Locking everyone in a jail cell in America would also save lives. Doesn't mean it's good. Doesn't mean it's the proper way to do things, right? Establishing a curfew that no one can drive a car or do anything past eight o'clock at night Sure, there'd be less people dead, and we'd all be in jail. Like, what the fuck's is the point of that? <laughs> what, what's the point of living at that point if we have no liberty to move? And same thing, they created DUI checkpoints, and that is a clear violation of the Constitution, right? You have a Fourth Amendment right against searches and seizures, right? And when you're being pulled over to DUI checkpoint, there is no reasonable suspicion. You're being pulled over because you have moved through an area, that is it. Your movement is what your reasonable suspicion is. That went all the way to the Supreme Court and in, in the... Uh, not, well, TJ, I'm sorry, it's late at night. Well, not the dissension, the, the majority <laughs> opinion, right? Um, the Chief Justice even wrote, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but the Chief Justice even wrote that like while we agree this is a violation of the, of the Bill of Rights, it serves such a public good we're going to let it fly. And to Josh's point, if they can do that, if they can literally restrict movement and upend the 4th amendment for that, I mean then they just took away our our you know our our rights to sue police officers and border patrol than 100 miles. Like what would stop them from saying, "Oh, well, fuck established law. This serves a greater good." So, red flag laws for everyone. Like there is I not something- see a difference. To be I, said, uh,
3: if the federal government I, thinks it's acceptable for the government to regulate which medicines you can and cannot take and that state government should have the right to deny certain medications based on religious or moral beliefs of the majority population, that's not much further of a step of because of the majority, you know, the majority belief of a population, they can strip away your First Amendment and your Second Amendment rights. Yeah. Like. That is the danger of the Supreme Court rolling back precedents and saying the states, like, if enough of you are convinced of this, then the Constitution doesn't matter anymore. And I think, t-
1: think TJ is here to wreck me on uh, <laughs> on my accuracy here. <laughs> I So,
2: OK, so the Fourth Amendment is the only amendment that I think that the court is ready to, like, really nuke in terms of, like, a – in terms of this, um, except for – My boy Gorsuch and my girl Sonia Sotomayor, because those two are like the king and queen of privacy. Other than that, they're all not exactly too, too good on it. Um, But the reason why the Fourth Amendment gets such a pass of like it's we disregard it so often is it's the only bill of rights. It's the only amendment in the Bill of Rights that uses the word reasonable. Mm. There's one other and that's the bail one. And that one's been pretty much disregarded as well. Is reasonable bail. Well, we have nine unelected elites deciding what constitutes reasonable. Right? So that's so that's where that really comes from. Michigan versus Sits is the one that upheld DUI laws, mm-hmm. and they upheld it on the grounds of it's a time place manner. DUI checkpoints happen at night on crowded roads that are near bars and it is a simple stop to, stay, to for your identification. I disagree with the decision. I think it's unconstitutional. I think the, the, yeah. the way that our DUI statutes are handled is unconstitutional. I think that criminalizing the blood content of an individual is unconstitutional. I think that conduct, not blood content, should be the I, – I, honestly, if, if an officer doesn't, doesn't witness reckless driving, I don't think they have cause for a stop. Um, but that is where I get way into the fringe of like Fourth Amendment scholarship <laughs> there. Um, and actually I agree few, with you I mean I, I I had a feeling you would agree I mean with that. like a bell but every time
0: th- we get the right and left to agree
2: that is where I get into the privacy Hawk stuff okay um, responding to the person above me um, Josh I believe you're above me on your screen too um, the court with precedent um, there's been a consistent, Um, holding within the Supreme Court that when we're dealing with constitutional questions stare decisis matters less so than with like statutory law criminal law or other forms of law Um, but this is particularly relevant when we're talking about substantive due process and the reason why is because substantive due process claims to confer what would otherwise be a right that is not enumerated in the Constitution so I don't necessarily agree with the idea that We really don't know how this is going to go. Because, and even whenever we're talking like red flags, which seem to be sort of an unexplored issue, there is some really good tea leaves on this, even though there's never been a case handled. Um, There is a case. It was Cantor versus Barr. This was in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in 2019. And this was about whether a convicted felon, um, after his release, could ever get a gun. It was a two-to-one decision. It was holding that the felons cannot have guns, so it did uphold the law. But here's the thing. The method that they used was what was called the Greeno two-step, which that two-step test to discern the constitutionality of a gun law was explicitly rejected and overturned in, in the Bruin decision. And they upheld the method of we must rely on history and tradition to decide whether a law is constitutional or not. And there isn't, a, there isn't a history and tradition backing for red flag laws. I, I'll be straight up on that. I'm willing to say that immediately. Um, but there was one dissent in Cantor versus Barr that said that the only felon gun bans that we saw were those who were presently dangerous. And essentially what was a felony in 1791 is not a felony now. right? A felony now is anything that carries a prison term of one year or more. Mm. A felony then was something that the government was willing to kill you over, and that was particularly notable to this judge in the Seventh Circuit. And this judge opined that essentially felons back then were individuals who had forfeited their right to live and had therefore forfeited their right to self-defense. If we let you live and we disarmed you, it was an act of mercy. That's not the case now. That's not the way we look at felons. Mm. So therefore the way that it's currently enforced is unconstitutional. That judge was Amy Coney Barrett. So what that tells me is that there is very serious scholarship um, in terms of enumerated rights and the way that we've done it.
1: Wait, wasn't Amy Cohen Barrett the one who completely lied during her hearing and said that uh, abortion was uh, established law and she wouldn't touch it? I I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's a different Amy Cohen Barrett. As far as I recall, she's the one who completely went up there in front of Congress and completely perjured herself in front of the entire nation. So let's not, not hold her, her up as a beacon of truth. I oh come on!
2: I will die on this hill right now, and the reason why is because she there did is say 57 it's uh, minutes in the show. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: well, I, well,
0: I think that's going to take us too far off. Why don't we come back Fair to enough. that in a different episode? <laughs> box, <that> went <laughs> I was going to say day. I think that I think that would be a great topic <laughs> for another time. That is a top. whole thing in itself. <laughs> that is a whole yeah. Okay, so the, any final comments you? before we go to our final final comments? What, Josh? <laughs> Aggressive loading. <laughs> loading. <laughs> I'm, I'm frozen. frozen. <laughs> I'm frozen.
2: <laughs> All right. Um, I will give a final comment, though. Like, yeah, um, uh, the assault weapons ban, it's going to be struck down. There's just so – Senate's not going to It's gonna nonsense. Senate's <clears throat> not
1: going to let that happen now. Uh,
2: no, they're not, they're not going to pass it. Even if they did pass it and it got enforced, it would be struck down immediately. It wouldn't even survive heller, let alone
1: it. Yeah, and I would – My my last comment that I think – hopefully we can all agree on is that maybe nine politically motivated people should not be able to usurp the will of the legislative body.
3: Especially when they gave themselves the permission to review and no
1: one else did. Yeah. (laughs) That's not in the constitution.
3: All right. Well, we're going to be
0: right back with our even spicier takes. If you can imagine that. (laughs) All right. Remember you're listening to the central hub for political discourse. Uh, Josh, you want to tell them about our memberships that they can have available? Yeah.
3: So we have our membership program, which gives you exclusive access to our behind-the-scenes footage, which is about usually 15 or 20 minutes before the show starts, where you can hear Ryan and I complain about our days and the struggles (laughs) of academia or the terror of sometimes leaving your car in a parking lot Um, or see TJ get in a fight with shaving products. You never know what's going (laughs) to happen. Every day is... (laughs) (laughs) Every day is a new adventure, Uh, so it it has always been delightful to see you there. And it also includes access to our Discord. Twitch, you also can um, access some of those pre-show features as well. So any help to support us out and what we're doing here is always delightful and much so appreciated.
0: Yep, and if you haven't already, I'm going to ask you why not follow us on our social medias at Between the Liars. (laughs) And Chris, uh, is it just at the Alt-Left
1: Podcast? It's at the Alt-Left Podcast. At the
0: Alt-Left Podcast, and those will be linked below as well all right we're gonna to go to hot takes stay tuned all right i'm gonna go first <laughs> which means i get no chance to rebut anybody's point so josh be be gracious to me <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so my first out take, I'm going to put that uh, I think that this law and red flag laws, all of it, is just a great example of pervasive government overreach. I think that, like Chris mentioned earlier, couldn't have said it better myself. It's a great example of just a dystopian nightmare. I really strongly dislike the idea that the government can just suspend your rights at the behest of someone who, honestly, if they're not politically motivated against you, then they might just have it out for you as your neighbor really just depends. You know, sometimes uh, if you just go on the Ask Reddit threads about some of these horrific neighborhood stories, those would probably be the people who would file the frivolous lawsuits against you. So I don't know. I just, I I hate that it is giving, it's basically the government giving themselves more power. Uh, And on that note, my second hot take would be just remember your politicians don't actually give a damn about you. Like they really don't care. And I think the fact that, you know, even one of the sitting members of Congress who part of their oath for every member of our government. They swear to uphold the Constitution, and then the Constitution has been said to, to, you can't remove common-use guns, and then they say that's the point. I really, and and that doesn't cut towards one particular party. I think right now it's being passed by the Democrat-controlled House of Representatives, but we see that none of your politicians do. So just remember, don't don't hold your politician, hold them to a high standard, but don't hold them up as heroes, uh, because... They're really not um, honestly with the way that they're passing stuff so uh, i'll leave you with this last thing you don't need a reason to own any type of a weapon which is why i would say that it's inherently unconstitutional that they're trying to pass an arbitrary ban on specific weapons whether it be because they think they're scary or just because they want power i don't really care it's a bill of rights not a bill of wants or needs
3: yeah so i'll go ahead and start off with my hot take of Judging someone and having the government take action before they've committed the crime is kind of a bad thing. Um, The government shouldn't be allowed to do things to you without a judge's stamp on it, and they should have to prove it to the judge that they're allowed to do the things. Not only that you committed the crimes that allows them to do the things, but also specify that they're allowed to do the things. That is why a prosecutor has to show grounds that this happened inside of a part that they have jurisdiction over, that there has to be cause and reason for this to proceed, that the government body has an interest in this. So it isn't even just that you did this, it's that it's the government's problem in the first place. And someone becoming what we would classify in in broader discourse as less mentally stable than whatever the hell the average is or normal is, does not justify the government taking action and infringing upon one of their rights writ large because a crime hasn't been done yet. If someone's becoming dangerous, if we suspect someone is at risk or is going to be a risk, that's a very, very different situation. In fact, those are two very different situations in and of themselves. If someone is at risk or if someone is a risk to other people, those require two very different skill sets. One requires a mental health professional. One might require a mental health professional as well, and maybe some armed backup because you know, the dude's armed and wants to hurt other people. That can happen. However, when we create these red flag laws that send police officers to resolve these situations of where someone is already maybe feeling at risk of their life or already on the edge of doing harm to to others, and we come and threaten them and escalate the situation from that position, that's not a great path forward. So those are kind of my two positions on the red flag laws of one, we don't want to be prejudging someone for a crime, and two, this is just a pattern of escalation that only ends in tragedy for both lawful gun owners and police officers at the end of the day. No one wins this legislation. Um, and as far as the house bill, like to like ban assault weapons, I assume that's going to fail. Magazine and, and other limitations like that are also interesting because the truth of a bullet is it really does only take one. Um, that's the reason why a revolver is so effective. It doesn't matter if there's only six shots in there. You only need one. You only even need one in the head. One good center mass shot will put a lot of people down. If you don't think that because you've watched so much TV, you're welcome to keep believing that. A lot of people go down first shot. That's just the way the world is. It's very efficient and well made weapons of death. And that's what I have to keep in mind. So, trying to regulate them just because they look scary um, or they have a lot of shots really doesn't matter. Most rifles you don't need to ban, anyways, because most of the shooting you do isn't going to take place at rifle range. Like 30 to 50 feet is where most shooting happens, anyways, or less than that. And that's perfect handgun range. So, it's not even the appropriate weapon to be used. Like, you don't want to use a rifle indoors like that. Come on, folks.
2: Well, I'll put a gun together wall. I am uh, a. <laughs> TJ shot his microphone. Tapes. Yes, um, the first hot take that I have is that the federal government is the greatest threat to liberty that we have in modern times. Um, my, like this is particularly relevant whenever the federal government is trying to find a way to fund every single gun-grabbing scheme ever, it gets even more pervasive when literally everything Congress has done for the last month has been an attack on the Supreme Court's recent holdings, whether it be on guns, whether it be on abortion, whether it be on a concurring opinion. This has just been the fuck Clarence Thomas congressional session. And it, they're they're passing a bunch of do-nothing bills that are just making their elite donors happy. Because let's face it, whether it's this assault weapons ban, they know it's going to be struck down. Whether it's the red flag laws, they know it's going to be struck down. Whether it's the access to abortion bill... That's a duty statement that does absolutely nothing, and if it actually does anything, it winds up violating the anti-commandeering doctrine unless they explicitly limit it to, uh, to federal property. This access to birth control or interracial marriage stuff, once again... Loving's not going anywhere. Griswold's not going anywhere. If you read the Clarence Thomas opinion, it states that these rights could just as easily be incorporated into the privileges or immunities clause of the 14th Amendment. He wasn't disputing the conclusion. He was disputing the substance. I uh, mean, he was, he was disput- yeah, the substance of the argument of where you're deriving these rights from. It's a completely different thing. So, and that goes into the gun argument. I mean, for God's sake, the assault weapons ban is not going to go through. The last time we had an assault weapons ban, we did not have Heller. We had a court that fundamentally was disregarding the second or right amendment, and was treating it as a second class right. And then that brings me on to the other things. I completely agree. We should not prejudge people as guilty. Red flag laws kill people. They ultimately lead to targeting the mentally ill. It leads to targeting veterans. It leads to targeting good people who have unfortunate situations. It's not going to be used to target the elites. It's going to be used to target marginalized communities. So whether you're right wing, left wing, red flag laws are just out of the question. On to the assault weapons ban. I mean, go ahead, pass it. We're innovative. We'll find new new inventions. The moment y'all inv- invented the bu- the the moment my great orange god Donald Trump passed the bump stock ban was the moment that rare breed triggers made the forced reset trigger. So go ahead, let's play that game. I can't wait to see what new inventions we get. We might finally get plasma based weapons. And on top of that, uh, speaking of the federal stuff. Another area that we can see this happening in, as well as our constant abuse of the National Guard, we need to bring that stuff back to the state level. Ryan, you need to have Diego Rivera, Dan McKnight, bring our troops home on your show at some point.
0: Yeah, set it up.
2: That's a hot take right there.
1: Well, a couple things. Again, it feels weird, but I agree with TJ on most things here. Uh, definitely disagree with you on Clarence Thomas. When he dies, he will join the club of ironic, uh, gender neutral bathrooms by creating his gravesite. Uh, that guy's an absolute POS. And if there's a hell he'll be burning in it. But, um, I will agree with you. He did make a good point. Now this is again, another case of right wingers accidentally getting towards the point. Um, is he was absolutely trying to trash the idea of Roe v. Wade and women's body autonomy by doing that. Now, he did make a good point, though, that by linking it to privacy, that does set up all these other things for failure, right? And he's correct. Women should not have body autonomy. Roe v. Wade shouldn't exist because of a right to privacy. That's insanity. Roe v. Wade should exist because every single man, woman, and child has a right to body autonomy. Everyone does. All Americans should have a right to body autonomy, whether that's freedom of movement or freedom to harvest a child from your own loins. Either way, you have that right. You should have the same right to sterilization. You have the right to control your reproduction. And the fact that any excuse would be given to take that away has now created over 50% of the US population as second class citizens. That is an overreach. It's a ridiculous overreach. And one of the big problems, and again, this is, if we're going to talk about government overreach, the Supreme Court has overreached for a very long time. Mayberry versus Madison is when the Supreme Court decided they were the ultimate authority in the country. And it was supposed to be co-equal branches of government. There's supposed to be an executive and a legislative and a judicial review. And the Supreme Court decided, nope, nope, a couple of wizards up in robes are going to go ahead and make elitist decisions for you, regardless of what your elected representatives have done. And that's insanity. It really is. Um, The Supreme Court was supposed to hang out and solve land disputes and people fighting over goats. That was their job. Um, was to solve disputes that district courts needed to pass up the chain, not interpret what the legislative branch was allowed to do. That's insanity. Um, And it is an overreach. And that's where we get back to the red flag laws. Again, TJ is completely right. Red flag laws are going to get people killed. They're going to determine who is a rightful citizen, who is not, who has the resources to defend or attack that, who's going to come under attack, who's going to start reporting everyone of a different religion, color, or creed that they don't like and start harassing them legally. This opens the door and the floodgates to a whole lot of fucking problems. And I think it's a nightmare scenario that I really hope doesn't happen. I don't think it will. Um, And I agree. The assault weapons ban will not pass the Senate. And the assault weapons ban is stupid for one thing. And this is what I fight liberals and centrists on all the time. What's an assault rifle? Go ahead and define an assault rifle. And we can define a many number of rifles that you don't think should be illegal. So instead, how about we focus on training? And we focus on disarming the people who are actually killing people. The government.
0: All right. We promised hot takes. (laughs) You got them. Uh, Before we go, uh, Chris, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure having you on here.
1: It is a joy being here always.
0: Even more fun when we agree, although it's a little less spicy, you know. So give and take. Uh, but <laughs> real quick, I want to give you the opportunity to plug your show. And then before I do that, I do want to say Angela's taking the bar. She took it today and tomorrow. So, Angela, shout out to you. Best of luck. Going to be a kick ass lawyer when she's on the other side of this. Although right now, I think she's just feeling like she's been kicked in the ass. So, <laughs> good luck to her. Uh, but, Chris, where can they find you and your crew of the lefty lefties, the, the <laughs> echo chamber? The,
1: yeah. And what can the they expect? The echo chamber of the left. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're the Alt Left Podcast. We're basically the opposite of Between the Liars. We're not here to find conflicting viewpoints from both sides of the aisle. We are examining politics through the lens of three different kinds of leftists. Uh, we have a liberal, a progressive, and a communist on our show. Um, and we analyze what's going on from those three perspectives. If that kind of circle jerk sounds awesome to you, <laughs> uh, check us out at Twitter. We're, uh, we are at the Alt Left Pod. So at the alt left pod, and you'll find a link tree there and you can find all of our links and you can listen to us literally anywhere. Come Mm -hmm. check us out.
0: Yeah. They've got good stuff. And uh, Chris, we're going to have you back on TJ. We'll have you back on eventually too. Uh, One day TJ is going to be our in-house counsel for real, for real. (laughs) All right. Well, remember you can find us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Twitch, Twitch, And Google Podcasts, follow at Between the Liars and at the Alt-Left Pod on our social media so you can stay updated, especially when you have this conversion of brilliance. And if you enjoyed this show, we sure would appreciate a five-star review. And if you'd share us with your friends, and I'm sure you find yourself somewhere between the liars, we'll catch you back here next week. Time to be announced. Goodbye for now.